You're listening to the Forever on the Fly podcast. Hello, AV nerds, and welcome to this week's episode of Forever on the Fly podcast, your bi-weekly dose of aviation, inspiration, education, and entertainment. My name is Jose. And I'm Diane. And we're here to get you guys hooked, hooked on, on aviation. aviation. So, the other day, <laughs> I was flying the PC-12 and uh, working the radios. We were doing an instrument departure, and uh, air traffic control was like, you know, 711 Juliet Charlie, have a good flight. And I said, you too. <laughs> have a good day. <laughs> I, I, I caught myself in like mid-sentence. I was about to tell the air traffic controller to have a good flight. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a moron. Don't know how to use the you too phrase. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah. you're not alone. I'm sure. I'm uh, sure that's uh, a know. very common thing to happen. It was, uh, oops. <laughs> but anyways, so that was pretty funny. I was like, I was flying on my way to, I was doing the DHL run in the morning. Mm-hmm. And for the listeners, it's like you, you go to LAX, Van Nuys to LAX, and then you land downtown and then go back to Van Nuys. And for whatever reason... Um, when I was leaving uh, LAX, I forgot to switch it, uh, the frequency up. And I was like on the LAX frequency. I was like, yeah, you know, coming in to land at the McGuire pad, you know, descending at a 500 and below. And the guy was like, frequency. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, idiot. Dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. All right, so... I'm right there with you. <laughs> I was like, damn it. What a new man. I hate hearing that frequency. God, I know. Just sitting there just kicking like, yourself. I thought, I always think of your Kermit the Frog meme. That you, yeah. sent me. you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Wonder if that bad radio call is still thinking of me too. Yeah. So I, uh, I started instructing a little bit in the R44 again. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> no, that, that is cool. No, I, I actually, I it. it kind of re-sparked a little bit of the love for it, right? Yeah, there's just something about hopping back in a smaller ship that just uh, brings me back. It's kind of nostalgic. It was super fun shooting autos again. Well, I think that's cool you're doing it, Senorita. Thanks. You know, I'm glad you're, you. I'm, I'm like, I'm on board with you doing part-time instructing. <laughs> we are the same. We are same, same, but different. We are same, same, but different. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, our next guest, man, I I don't know where to start with this guy's career. Seriously. He's an aviation hall of famer, four time air racing gold champion. He likes to live on the edge and is a living example of what it means to be a true leader. He's flown over 23,000 hours in more than 270 aircraft types, flight tested over 685 and built three of his own. Peter's company, High Performance Aircraft Group, manages several corporate jets, provides his clients with custom-tailored, high-intensity world tours, and performs flight test services for several manufacturers, including the U.S. and foreign militaries. He's also a film producer of multiple Discovery Channel productions and starred in a lead role in the Dangerous Flight series. His book, Relevant, is a behind-the-curtain thriller inspired by true events that reveal eye-opening top-secret encounters and the greatest lessons in leadership. He is here to talk about his air racing career, leadership, stories of his global aviation adventures, and more. So, man, let's bring him out. Peter Zaccanino. And I've done small airplane crossings before, and usually it takes me two years to forget that this is a bad idea. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pete Zaccanino, and I am forever on the fly. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was having problems with Zoom. It took me forever to finally get on here, and we have really good internet. Oh, no oh, worries. Yeah. <laughs> Every week, it's something. <laughs> Technical difficulties across the board. I tell you, it's 
always been good, but today, uh, anyway. Just our luck. It's okay. It's not you. It's us. You know, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we've always, always causing problems over here. <laughs> well, gosh, it's so nice to meet you and, you know, finally, you know, speak to you face to face. Going back. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's my pleasure. I um, Just so you guys know, I'm a note taker and I'm just taking notes on our stuff and whatever. Yeah, you know? sure. Oh, no, no, for sure. What are you writing? What are you writing? Uh, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it says, I cannot stand airplanes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Get out of here. You're no longer yeah, welcome. Right. <laughs> I have to apologize, you guys. Um, I've had this cough. It's not COVID. Oh, no uh, worries gotcha. at all. Man, you didn't you didn't even get the name brand stuff, you know? You had to get all that generic cold crap. Gen- generic cold or something. And it was just a <laughs> cough. I felt fine. And uh, you know, these days if you cough, you're a leper and everybody's like, Oh, oh my God, man. You, know? you got that Kroger brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Illegit garbage cough. <laughs> Oh well, you're you're lucky because I had COVID and it was horrible, horrible. Yeah, I remember horrible, you horrible. said it really knocked you down. Yeah, it did. I yeah, fever, hundred and three, and everything. It was not fun. Yeah, I've been hitting the gym every day trying to get the lungs back in shape. But yeah, right. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Yeah, we yeah. can't lay down to it, right? Whatever yeah, exactly. it is, right? Even if it's just a lame ass cough like I have, <laughs> <laughs> Kirkland brand. Yeah, the Kirkland. Uh, I love that. <laughs> That vodka ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't lie. That's not tea in your cup. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I'm not saying anything because I'm not flying today. So you- <laughs> this tea. This tea. This tea. <laughs> I am. I, I, I get to fly in a, right after this, actually. Do you? Where are you good going? Time. Anywhere good? Oh, just getting signed off. And my, my buddy has a friend who just bought an R44 and he needs an instructor. And I haven't flown one of those in like, I don't know, six years or so. So just going to go get re-signed off so I can go fly with this guy once in a while. Oh, good. Yeah, we just, um, why not? We're, we're literally picking up a B3 as we speak. And uh, uh, A-Star's been a little slow getting it to us and with all the same excuses, you know. Yeah. Pete, yeah. Kroger cough and, you know, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. well, well, that answers one of my questions is, you know, are you, do you also fly helicopters? But... Yep, yep, I do. Man, man of to... jack of all all trades, aviation. Like <laughs> yeah, seriously, I... you know, I don't even know where to start with your career. Quite, <laughs> quite, quite honestly, Peter. Um, first of all, how do you pronounce your last name? Because I'm really like, not. I'm not sure, Diane. I felt like I was gonna botch it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Zacanino. Zacanino. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Good yeah. to know. Um. Yeah, I was like, Zacchino. I'm sure you've gotten that your entire entire life. If if you wanted to do the whole Italian version, it's not that different. You just got to soften it a little bit. It's it's Zacchino. That's all. Zacchino. Well, cool. Very cool. Yeah. So Aviation Hall of Famer, four-time air racing gold champion, 15 years of air racing altogether, 23,000 hours of flight time. I didn't even know that there were 270 types of aircraft, but apparently you've flown all of them. Flight tested 685 and built three aircraft of your own. Like <laughs> bowing. I'm bowing right now. That's... No, no, no. I just, I don't need a lot of sleep. That's all. Apparently you spend all hours of the day flying. <laughs> yeah. Lately, my, my latest fun thing has been the writing. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, more than I thought, actually, um, and uh, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of cool. I'm digging it, and and I can write it on the long trips, like a seven hour flight. You know, I can get down a couple couple thousand words done or something. You know, so that works. That's very cool. Writing is so labor intensive. I've tried to Ugh. you know sit down and and put things down on paper, and um, yeah, I managed to get like a couple pages done, and I'm like you know, get distracted by something squirrel, you know, and, yeah. and forget. Right. So very cool that you've been so successful and, and actually, um, I was going to say producing a, a, a book, but let's see, uh, well, writing and pub- publishing yeah. is the word that I was looking for. Um, yeah. a successful, uh, published author and, and TV producer. 
I wouldn't shows? say um, I'm successful at TV. <laughs> <laughs> I would say we've done TV and uh, and it's fun and I like it and I would do do more. Um, but it's uh, I at least haven't broken the nut on how to at least make a couple bucks at it, you know, because we, sure. we have to make a living, obviously. And, sure. um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's hard in that industry, but I do like it. And I think that's why I like the book so much. It's, you know, it's a creative process and I, and I do enjoy it. Um, but I haven't figured out the magic to making an, some money from it. You know, yeah. I can tell you that. Um, Especially in fun. reality TV. No, it's true though. I, 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 well, COVID was like when we were knee deep in it, it was, I, I so took advantage of it. I got the first book written and done. And I got a bunch of stuff around the hangar done, some, some, you know, aircraft construction projects finished. It was like a year for me to catch up. I, I didn't mind it at all. Wow. You know, the worst mm-hmm. part of COVID for me was listening to the excuses afterwards. Holy cow. Oh, Ugh. sure. Well, yeah, I spent all my time making TikToks. <laughs> uh, all aviation related, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, that's that's was cool. Good, that was a good time. When, when you, Peter, when you were saying you were designing aircraft, was it just you or did you have a team designing those aircraft with you? Sure. I mean, the um, the design stuff I've done over the years, I have designed aircraft and those projects were either a small group of us wanting to, you know, come, come up with the next cool mousetrap. Um, but then the, the stuff that's been commercially viable is when we're designing uh, modifications or improvements for some of the airplanes that exist, a uh, new inlet wingtips, stuff like that. That's a stuff oh, gotcha. that a little bit more commercially viable, but you know, also learned, holy cow, that's a lot of effort to try and make three dollars and fifty cents. So you know, <laughs> we learn, we move forward, we learn, stick to the things that are, you know, re- much more reproducible, I guess is the best way to put it. No, I got you. Yeah, yeah I was just like it was super interesting reading your bio and it's saying that you were in like you're also a professor, weren't you? Are, yeah, are you I, still are, are you still teaching? Mm-hmm. No. No, I wish I could. Um I had to give it up. I was back East when I was doing that. And, um, I loved it. Um, you know, every time, honestly, to kind of answer it, a bigger question, Jose was the, every time that, um, I've gotten away from teaching, something brings me back to it. You know, even if it's teaching at the races or, um, getting a new pilot on our staff and teaching them just a new jet before they go to school. Um, and same thing with that, you know, when I was teaching, uh, back east, I really I, I loved it, and great students, and I I think they felt educated, and um, you just can't do everything. And I've already done I do a lot in parallel. You know, I'm doing this thing, I'm doing the other thing, and back and forth. And yeah, um, otherwise I'd be like 160 years old if I did it in I series. Know. <laughs> 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 yeah, it sounds you. like I you. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I do. Uh, I work full time, but I still teach part time. But yeah. I just feel like it's been. I feel like it's really rewarding still teaching part-time like yeah. still instructing and like you, you, you know, you don't, you, you don't feel rushed, you know, yeah. you do it the right way. And you're like, Hey, this is what I know. Instead of like learning it out of a book, you got, you could apply some of the experiences you had along the route, right. you know, and you just talk about it. But that's pretty cool. When I read about that, instead of you're a professor, I was like, Oh, that's pretty awesome. But that yeah. was one of the things you did. I could see that happening again if, if if the opportunity presented itself. Right now, there's no way I could. Um, but like down the road, um, I, I could see that happening again. I, I, I just really enjoyed it. I do. I, I like teaching. You know, I still do flight instruction on different levels. So um, when able, you know, we, we have to you. give, you know, with the experience we all have, we have to give it back too so that the people coming up are getting – good insights really good Mm -hmm. technique good good transition that's all Mm -hmm. yeah it always felt a little bit backwards that is the new people which were us at one point teaching the new people you know and and not having any experience really to draw from but literally just reading it out of the book and be like well i just learned this last week but i'm just regurgitating you know (laughs) without any really true you know uh experience behind to back it up but yeah i think it's definitely important for for experienced pilots to in some way 
educate and, and give back and mentor at least. So, and that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast also is, I don't know if you listen to any of the episodes, but we usually throw in some sort of a, a ground lesson or something at the end of the episode, um, a review, maybe if it's something that is so common, like required instruments or, you know, 91205. Yeah. And I think we just talked about what was required in the aircraft. And even for pilots who've been flying for a long time, it's like, when was the last time they actually looked at that regulation or can remember it? Who knows? Yep. Who knows? I yeah. just remember camel's foot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Mine is a mats full mats, which never really made any sense because it, it says mats twice. So it's just like, well, that does. okay, there's two ends, there's two A's. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so what got you into air racing, Peter? What was like, what, what was something that you did or something you always wanted to do? No, I, um, I mean, I, I love all things, airplanes and aviation. I'm, and I like the next challenge, but um, I got called um, to come and fly the pace plane using a Lance Air four, and um, and I said sure. I had no idea what I was getting into or what it was going to cost me, and so you know I showed up and started flying the pace plane with bunch of great people that I really learned a lot just from being there flying the pace plane and uh Rick and CJ and Lee and Jeff and um I said oh yeah I'm coming back next year to race and then got a hold of my buddy Bob and I said Bob I need a plane to race you got anything I can use for a couple of years (laughs) (laughs) and he had this idea about this four and uh we resurrected the four and like so many projects Bob and I have done together, good, bad, or indifferent, we got it done. And, and, um, you know, off I went to start my racing career, you know, and, uh, here we are. <laughs> and you won the first year that you flew, right? Well, I won the first, um, heat race I raced in. It wasn't a championship. It was okay. just a heat race, just so mm. everybody is clear. And, gotcha. um, but I was still super stoked. I had, you know. Yeah, what a way to boost your confidence. Yeah. On the, on yeah. the, on the I mean, it was great. Round. I was like, wow, this is fun. I get to win too. This is really cool. Winning, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, that was my first heat uh, victory. And then um, my first actual championship was in 2007 in the sport class. And that was super awesome because my mom came. And uh, my mm-hmm. mom's super supportive and always has been fantastic. And she, she made the trek out there with my aunt and uncle from New Jersey, where I'm from. And, uh, and you know, it was a tough year for crashes. That was the bad news. But mm-hmm. um, for me, it was a great year. And, uh, and yeah. my family was there. So it was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. I'm happy you had such a good support system. You need cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Heck yeah. I like that idea, actually. Have cheerleaders at the air races? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people like that idea, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that idea would be turned away at the door. Yeah. Um, I, I could imagine. Note to self, cheerleaders, cheerleaders at the, <laughs> at the <laughs> Reno air race. Tell us about, um, I know this is a different segue, but yeah. um, in your bio, it said that um, you did a lot of international flying and you went to different, all, all, almost all the different countries in the world, minus Madagascar, you know? Yeah. I just don't like vanilla. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, um, no, all joking aside, the, um, I, I wasn't looking to do it, you know, uh, discovery mm-hmm. challenge. They, they love that little line, you know, he's been every country except for one, and they tried to get me there actually. And we had an engine failure. It was awesome. You know, it was what? Good, good, yeah, what? Sure what? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Um, and so we never got there. That whole episode was scrapped, but the, um, uh, what it, were you it, flying in? Well, so, okay. So did I'll you have you two sh- engines or was it just the one no, or no? So, uh, my buddy, Corey, great friend of mine, he, uh, he was a big part of that show. And, um, what show is it? Uh, Dangerous Flights on Discovery Channel. Dangerous Flights. And uh, really fun to do. We had a great time. And it was a good time in my life to do it, too, for lots of reasons. But um, he uh, he had this great idea. He's going to buy this Piper Malibu. And we're going to fly it from South Africa 
um, back to the U.S. And I've done small airplane crossings before, and usually it takes me two years to forget that this is a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I'm like, okay, let's do it, Corey. And he goes, yeah, we'll go to Madagascar. I'm like, just because it's next to Africa doesn't mean it's really close to South Africa, but all right, what the hell? So we uh, we airline over to South Africa. We go up to the airport where the Malibu is, and uh, we fire it up and I'll do all of our business. And a couple of days in, we blast off, and we're about to cross into Zambezi, and um, the engine just quit. And um, Corey's great at he always wants training, and uh, he's very good about that. And so I had him in the left seat, and I was in the right seat playing the role and um, and doing the role. And uh, he goes. The engine quit. I'm like, okay, well, fly the airplane. And uh, there's tons of dirt roads around here. We'll sort it out. And we were at like 10,000 feet. So we had some time. And uh, um, we're getting down, getting down. I'm like, well, let's try a couple things. Now you finish the checklist. Because if we lost the turbos, we might be able to get the engine back running. And so we got down about 6,000 feet and got the engine back running without the turbos. And we flew it back to a place called Palakwani. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but we had a blast there. Oh my God. We met mushroom lady. She was a hoot and she's a legit, (laughs) like a legit mushroom farmer, like the stuff you buy in a store, but she was a really fun lady and, um, fixed the plane, you know, time's going by and, uh, we, uh, crank it back up and head back out and guess what happened again? Another engine, another engine failure. Yep. Cause there was a, there was a bigger, problem that was causing the turbos, the turbos to fail it's a long story anyway same thing we nursed it back and then i finally was like dude i gotta go home you know i can't hang out in south africa chasing rhinoceros you know i gotta leave so i never got to madagascar, madagascar. on that trip either you know <laughs> feel and, like the universe just doesn't yeah, want you, to go. Can't, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know i've been everywhere it's cursed so I, you know to answer your question jose i've, I've done some um for, for the quick answer, I've done some diplomatic flights that have gotten me to some of the strange places. I, um, I take a lot of my customers on, you know, we call them exhibition adventures or something like that, where they have a private jet and even the small jets, we just go hop around um, showing them places. One customer I've personally taken to like 90 countries. Wow. And, um, you know, like wow. one year, yeah, like one year we did a tour of Europe. Um, another year we did a tour of Africa. In fact, on that trip, we paddled the Zambezi River. It was really fun. And then um, um, then one year we did Central and South America, which was awesome. Um, and, and you know, on every trip, I always learned something new, too. Um, not just showing him the new stuff, but yeah. then, then we did an around-the-world surfing trip, and um, that was a blast. And uh, wow. that was seven weeks, and we went all over the place. Yeah. And, um you know, through India and Fiji and um, PNG and I mean, just a gobs of play. That's a whole discussion in and of itself. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds like a really cool trip. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, coming back to your original question, I and I've done several types of those trips with several customers, and you know, I I have just notebooks full of information that I keep with me. It's kind of like my life log book, I guess. And I put mm-hmm. the flights in, I put the restaurants, the hotels, comments about them. And then, you know, my phone, I store the ones that are good. And so like, if, if you guys are flying uh, um, your citation 10 to Florence, Italy or Milano or something, I'll just tell you, oh yeah, hold on. Let me look at my phone. I put in the city and the restaurant word and, and it'll pop out my favorite restaurants. Cause some, I remember some, I don't. And, yeah. 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 You know, it's That's just fun. Cool. To sh- yeah. It's just fun yeah. to share with people, you know. You should do so your own happened. little travel book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I well, kind of. I my, you know, I got the two books that are a series, and um, the next book I'm hoping to have out by April is on the flying and the adventures and the places and people and all that good stuff. So, cool. Well, I'd be so kind of doing. Yeah, that, I'd be looking of. forward to read that. That's, yeah, I'll be yeah. reading that one for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And you're in the current book, Relevant. Yep. Right. When did that come out? Um, Relevant came out during COVID. And that was so 2020. Mm-hmm. And that was the first book and the screenplay. And finished that. And um, it's done real well. I was real happy with it. And 
started immediately writing the second book, which is The New Cold War. And um, that just came out, uh, I don't know, two months ago now and doing really well. We actually uh, won a Trident uh, Literary Award for that. And the third book in the series is about halfway done, but I'm trying to get the flying book done um, before that release. So I'm probably going to have two books done in the next year, one in Eh. April-ish, the other one probably right before the races in August, give or take. Wow. Yeah. And wow, man, you're going to be busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mold's not growing on me. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just rolling stone over here. And quite honestly, yeah, I, I was reading all of the topics that are kind of listed that are in your book and I had a couple of theories. Uh, one, you're a CIA agent (laughs) Uh, or or potentially James Bond. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not quite sure. Detained and bribed by the Nigerian authorities, escaped Russia after being refused exit, prevented kids from being kidnapped in Guatemala, held at gunpoint in Pakistan. I mean, come on, dude. Like, who are you really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Is your name really Peter? It is. It's it's just uh, restless, Pete. I get restless, but um, <laughs> the Pakistan story is one of my favorites because I've I've used that technique since then. Um, do we have time to share that one? Real yeah, yeah, yeah. Go okay, for so it. By all means. I had a driver, and we're cruising around. There's checkpoints all over the place, and it's it's early, and um, I was leaving early, and or trying to leave early. <laughs> it was about four in the morning, and we come to this checkpoint. And um, he's getting yelled at in Urdu, um, the native language or one of the native languages. And I'm like, yeah, probably not good. And they take him out and I get out of the car and they're yelling at me now, the guy with the most stripes on his arm. And I'm like, you know, making all the it's okay symbols because he doesn't speak any English. And uh, I get back in the car. So they take the driver away. He, he's gone. And I'm sitting in the car in the middle of the morning, early morning. I'm like, oh, huh awkward moment. Um, and so I don't know what possessed me, but I started like motioning to him with a, my eight words of Urdu. And I got this little Sony camera, not my phone, this little handheld. And I'm telling him, you know, can I come out of the car? And he's yelling at me and I keep coming out of the car. Finally, I convince him to take a selfie with me. So <laughs> I take a selfie of him looking angry. Then I start motioning to him, let me hold the gun and get a picture so he finally relents and he lets me hold his rifle and we're taking a selfie over here with the, you know, this little camera and um, getting the picture. And then he's yelling at his subordinate to give him his rifle and take both of our pictures now. So now I'm getting the subordinates taking pictures of me and the boss guy with both <laughs> rifles. It's just hilarious, right? Oh <laughs> and and uh and I'm patting him on the shoulder, I'm like, you know, we're all friends now, peace, love, and happiness, you know, and all this yeah. stuff. And I just solved the world peace initiative. And finally the driver comes back and and uh the boss guy's yelling at him, get in the car, and he looks at me, smiles, and says, Good day. <laughs> that was it. We drove away. What so <laughs> did the driver ever enlighten you as to what happened? Oh, they were saying his driver license couldn't be used for transporting a passenger and all this other fun um, good second stuff. world, third world stuff, you yeah, know, yeah, that yeah. came on. I'll leave it yeah. at that. Wow. He was fine and we drove off, but he was like, uh, Pete, what did you do? I'm like, Nothing. Nothing. Bribe them. I go. I didn't bribe them. I took his picture. He's like, you did what? You know, like most stories, it's a longer version. But I honestly thought you were going to bribe them. I was like, yeah, yeah. You were- Which you don't do that in Pakistan. There's other places you do that, not in Pakistan. That's a bad thing to do. Whoops. Uh, yeah, I was just curious about the whole Russia thing. Oh well, Russia. That's an interesting one. I'll give you the short version and maybe we can expand on it another time in part two. (laughs) Um, So I was there, we brought uh, this really cool airplane to Russia and for the um, what's now called the Matt's air show. And it's at the biggest runway in the world and um, Mm. in Russia and it's a pretty cool place. It's south of Moscow and all this stuff. So it was all this fanfare about us flying it over there, first Americans to do it and all this cool stuff. And Discovery Channel was filming it. 
And so when it was time to leave, they're like, your papers aren't in order. I'm like, yeah, no, sorry, dude. I, uh, I was like, comrade, my papers are in order. And, um, they're like, no, papers are not in order. Then the big boss came out and the big boss, this uh, lady, she was like, your papers aren't in order. I'm like, my papers are in order. And, but they saw the big fancy cameras and what looks like money. And they were definitely looking for money. Mm. And, um, and so I said to him, well, what do our papers indicate now? Well, you could fly to Estonia. I'm like, well, guess what? We're leaving for Estonia instead of, I think I was going to Finland or something. And I said, well, see you guys later. We're going to Estonia. And this was six hours of haggling and arguing. And uh, they were telling us the carnet wasn't right for the cameras and all this stuff. And so we ended up going to Estonia because they said our paperwork was approved for Estonia. So their bluff hurt their cause of keeping us there for the the old cash payment. Yeah. And uh, we went to Estonia and stayed there overnight, which turned out great. That's a fun town. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the town, the big town there. Anyway, you know, it was a great time and, and off we went there. So what they were, what, what they were trying to use against us, we ended up turning around and using against them. And off we went to a place I wasn't expecting to go that trip. Yeah. So. <laughs> crazy. Oh, in the so words of Bob, crazy. Bob yeah, Ross, yeah. there are no yeah, mistakes, just out. happy accidents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Very anyway, cool. um, it was a good trip. It turned out all right. Okay. So in, in your book, let's see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the synopsis of your book. Behind the curtain thriller inspired by the events that reveal eye-opening top secret encounters and great lessons in leadership. So what, what's, do you have a story in there that uh, kind of touches on that subject of leadership of something that you can share, hopefully maybe aviation related, but if not, you know, that's yeah, okay too. Yeah. I mean, well, sure. Absolutely. I mean, the, uh, the leadership comment comes from a couple angles. I mean, you know, if anything all of us are doing, you, your podcast demonstrates leadership, right? Because you have to manage the, it, you have to organize people, you know, final product, all that type of stuff. And it's a leadership exercise. Um, military service, of course, we have leadership up the wazoo. Um, and so, yeah, you know, same with the races, leadership, right? In the book, they demonstrate leadership. So in the book, though, in both books and, and in the next books, um, I do use the narrative to try and really just get people thinking a little bit about things. Um, I think we've kind of been pushing towards this cultural direction in the world of just listening to something that appeals to us as opposed to asking why am I listening to this person on YouTube or Instagram or, you know, TikTok, <laughs> um, you know, but why, why, why am I listening to them? What appeals to me? And is that a good thing? And I think that's been lost and we're right now just doing too much, um, you know, non-questioning, I guess is the best way to put it, I think. It's just blind so consumption of information. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, we're just eating what they're telling us and what we're watching. We're just eating it, you know, sucking it down. It's like, no, that might be bad for you to see and watch and, and observe. Maybe you don't need to see that or hear it. Um, but so, yeah, I'm trying to make some philosophical points and get people to think about some things. Um, I put historic references in there. Um, that are quite factual that hopefully, you know, don't believe me, but go look them up yourself really is the point, you know, don't believe anything, look it up. I mean, I don't want to sound like a cynic. Don't believe anything. That's not my <laughs> point, but it's like, just challenge things a little bit. And people are like, Oh, in this day and age, we're challenging everything, but are we really challenging? Or are we just looking for some other thing right now? I don't know. And so to come back to your original point about leadership is, um, uh, the lead character that's in the first two books. Um, the second book is a standalone book, but it's definitely the sequel um, to the character and his story. But you could pick up the second book and just read it. And it's a beginning to end story. And um, But he is developing his leadership skills from book one to book two. And he has to make some really hard decisions 
that um, don't have an easy answer. Um, and that's one of my points philosophically is not every choice is easy. And the easy choice isn't always the right choice. You know, um, I don't have to have a 95 inch TV that I put on a credit card, you know, just because everyone else in the neighborhood has it. I don't have to have that, you know, and that's an easy choice, right? Well, Hodge, the lead character, he's got to make some leadership choices that are super hard. And um, you never know. Did you really make the best decision? You don't know. You just got to deal with it. And um, we have a lot of people making difficult decisions and, and they're so heavily scrutinized. It's like, but they're still the leader, um, either in a big way, small way or whatever. And uh, on left and right aisle, it doesn't matter. You know, they're still the leader. They're still making decisions and they have to make some tough decisions. And um, that's definitely part of the leadership uh, rant. If I can take those three and a half minutes to give to you guys, you yeah. know, um, and I think we could use some more leadership, not just people doing dumbass human tricks on the internet, you know? <laughs> you know what, 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 you mean like staging an engine failure and jumping uh, out of your yeah. plane in the parachute? Yeah. <laughs> there were so many yeah. things and questions that came out about that video. And I was just like, I was embarrassed for our industry because someone mentored him and instructed him and all those things. And not that it's their fault. That's not my point, but how did he come up with as a person, this is a great idea. No matter how you look at it, no matter what angle you take, how did he yeah. come up with that? You Whether know, get or not back was, to, it was staged or not. Like, yeah, I know exactly. I don't know. It's really hard to judge pilots actions by looking at it from the outside until the report comes out, obviously it's, it's really bad form. I think when you put something on YouTube, you're kind of opening yourself up for that criticism in the first place on the uh, topic of, of leadership in general, every pilot is a leader. Every pilot in command is a leader. Even if you're sitting second seat, you are following what the pilot in command is saying, but if that pilot was unable to perform their duties, now you are you are the leader as well. So like you have to have leadership skills if you're going to be going into this industry and getting into the pilot chair. And and Couldn't I and, agree more. You know, and there's leadership skills that can be taught. There's some people that have have it naturally, but I had students, you know, when I was an instructor who were very timid, uh, people that had a very hard time speaking up. Or, you know, even on the radios, having a lot of confidence issues. And that's something that instructors need to also help their students, not only with their flying abilities, but with their leadership skills and their confidence behind behind what they're doing and their decisions. Yeah, got to be able to, to defend your stance because, you know, if, if anything happens out there, it, it's guilty until proven innocent. In the aviation, yeah. in the aviation world, that's absolutely true. Unfortunately, but you are guilty until proven innocent, hundred percent. Yeah. So you have to have those leadership skills and the ability to make a decision, stick to your guns, and be able to defend your actions when you're handling things, or or yep. be able to to explain how you would have done it differently, you know, the next time, or what you learned from. The decision you made failing, or I think it's a it's a really important lesson, and it needs to be incorporated into flight training. But well stated. Tell me about the current company that you started, High Performance Aircraft Group. What do you guys do over there? Where are you guys located? Sure. The so the group designation came about trying to unify um, what we do because I've had a, a very long run at flight test and test flying aircraft. And we called that business high performance aircraft testing. Um, when that was changing and I knew the industry was changing and, and that's okay. Nothing lasts forever. Right. Um, we started to pivot into aircraft management and managing aircraft, uh, private aircraft, private jets, and some helicopters for folks um, several years ago. And that entity is PC Aviators. That's our aircraft management business. And um, I don't remember if we send it to you guys, but you can check it out. It's PCAviators.com. Um, and, and it's a traditional aircraft management, except we do it our way. Um, and all of that is under the umbrella of High Performance Aircraft Group. But PC Aviators is the, is the 
the business that is the the public business per se right now. You know, the testing business has changed significantly, and and it's just far less uh, uh, of a public entity. You know, because of the type of work it is. I'm it sure a PC Aviators is busy now. You know, everybody that used to fly first class is <laughs> now going. You know, flying private. So I'm sure managing well, private airplanes. <laughs> you guys are just going and going. Yeah, we're we're super busy. You know, that's why I've had some scheduling troubles with you guys. Um, and sorry about that. The um, uh, for for all those good reasons, but also um, either of you guys fly for fractionals. Um, I fly for a private owner. Okay, cool. I, I fly a Citation 10. Oh, nice. Sweet. Yeah, same. You know, not our best prospect is those that are already with a fractional company because they're spending a lot of money. And I just need that door open. When we share how we do our business model, they're like, how's this possible? You know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, it's easy because of how we do things a, a bit differently. And, um, uh, and it's been working very well. And the, you know, people are learning that, um, even though it's out of my range, you know, it's, it's very attainable to have a private aircraft as you guys both know. Mm-hmm. And when we get to share the actual cost with them, especially with the secondary market, or even if their tax structure makes sense to buy new, um, they're just looking at it going, wow, this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. And, you know, they're very receptive to it. And, uh, and like you said, Diane and, and Jose, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not what people expect that don't know aviation. And, um, but yeah, the fractionals, they know a little bit cause they're, they've, they've been paying the bills. And when we show them our bill, they're like, well, that's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So, and, you know, we offer some value to them and to pilots when we inherit pilots from a, a, a private owner. They're like, oh, we thought, you know, they get all afraid of what this looks like that we're coming in, you know, with the hammer. And it's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. We're, we're here to make it easy. Our pilots work 12 days a month on average. That's it. No way. Yeah. Wow. Where are you guys um, based? In Park City, Utah. Oh. City, Utah. You hiring? Yeah. We are hiring. <laughs> yes, we are hiring. Yeah, yeah, everybody's hiring. <laughs> Park yeah, everyone's nice. hiring. But Park City's nice. It is very nice, but we, you know, we um we do it a little differently in how we structure it. And yeah, of course, if we have an international trip, you're going to be out longer, and that's just part of the game. Yeah, sure. But not always. Like we have an upcoming Europe trip, and uh, we'll we'll go there with the jet. We'll be there for three or four days, come home, and then go back with the plane and be there three or four days so so you have um, citations yeah falcons citations uh lear um um two helicopters and i'm probably forgetting something uh that i'm not thinking of right now <laughs> the helicopters do you guys have uh you said you've got an a star coming in mm-hmm. right the yep. b3 yep. and the other two uh helicopters we had a, a 46, and that's what was replaced by the, I'm uh, sorry, 66, my bad. That's what was replaced by the A-Star. And I love the 66. I thought it was a really good machine. You know, you just had to yeah. be respectful of it. We And a 44 for that as well. Um, similar, you know, turbine had mm-hmm. more power. Mm-hmm. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of those two helicopters. Um, and then a, a Bell 407 is not online yet. That one... We had to pause slightly, just uh, good reasons, and uh, we'll have that online soon. Well, that gotcha. helicopter is a big fan of yours, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so, so dumb. <laughs> but I was actually pretty proud of that one. <laughs> I was like waiting for you to finish talking. I was like, I got a good one. I got a good I got a good so, pun- so punny. Uh, that was pretty, pretty punny. <laughs> so pun terrific. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, you know, the 66 is a good, is a, is a pretty good aircraft. I mean, I just, I just yeah. picked one up down in, uh, down in Puerto Rico and ferried it up to Atlanta. And that was a, oh, really, awesome. that was a really fun trip as a marine, marine version, but full autopilot, mm-hmm. it, basically yeah. all the bells and whistles of like a, a 66 that could have anything on it. It had everything. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, um, exactly. And um, it's a it's a good machine. Uh, I'll miss it actually because it, you know it's so simple and fun and mm-hmm. um, that's really good. So yeah, people dog. And I was going to go to the. I'm going to go to the safety course in April, the Robinson safety course in April for the 66. Uh, one of my friends has it and he wants me to instruct in it. Oh, perfect. And, um, yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So yeah, absolutely. I've never flown it. So it looks amazing. It looks nice. It is. You know, it looks I, I, I easy to awesome. start. It's, it's super very easy. easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, just it's like, easy. yeah. Just hit the starter, wait for, you know, to come up and just, just yeah. put in the fuel yeah. and bam, done. <laughs> Like that's cool. It's really, really simple. Um, on your bio, uh, as a former veteran or as a veteran, um, I appreciate all the work you do with like the wounded warrior project and all the other stuff you do for the military. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for noticing. Um, that's awesome. We're happy to help obvious reasons. Yeah. I wanted to talk about your philanthropy because there was quite a long list of organizations that you work with. Um, is the Wounded Warrior Project one that, I mean, I'm sure they're all like pretty dear to your heart, but is there one in particular that you do the most work with? You know, that's hard to answer. It depends on the time. Um, something gets in me and I just, you know, trying to help it at the moment. So um, I am inconsistent. Um, often we're helping the National Ability Center, but sometimes we're not. Like this year, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do what we normally do for them. And, you know, you can't do everything all the time. It's just the truth. Um, I wish I could. You know, if I was a billionaire, I would do everything all the time. But, um, you know, you can't. And so sometimes, you know, someone at the office calls me and I'm like, yeah, we'll just make it happen because they need some help. And we just jump on board. And and uh, sometimes it's unofficial. You know, going to Guatemala, one of my favorite countries, and helping those orphans, that was totally unofficial. It was just getting the job done. And, um and we really had great success there, but it wasn't through any organization. It was just through this assembly of people mm. and, um, and it worked. Um, so yeah, it's, it's inconsistent. You know, I really like the national ability center a lot because they're just like, whoever needs help, we help. And it could be a wounded warrior or it could be, you know, someone born the way they're born. And then wounded warriors, of course, seeing what we've done around this world and how the world is so appreciative of our service people um, that doesn't get shared back at home. I've been able to see firsthand. And um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll always be able to help them when I can. Amazing. Well, thank you for what you do. And thank you for coming on our show and sharing your story. And I'm just, I'm so taken back by all the experience that you have and um, that you're still out there trying to share that experience and educate sure. people and um, doing what you do. So thank you for coming on. We really appreciate My, you. Yeah. No, it was super awesome. You guys are fun to just get on board and chat. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, just stay in thank touch you. with how I can help you guys too. Just uh, holler. Let me know. I appreciate it, Peter. Something. Oh, the website mm-hmm. for my resume, PC Adventures. PC Aviators. PC oh, PC Aviators. Aviators. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll be you'll, you'll be getting a couple of resumes through uh, that's okay. hey, to, to your that email. Is, I am, that's a genuine you go. consideration. If there's <laughs> if you guys fit the role, get your bags packed. <laughs> yeah, airplanes, A Star, Utah. Yeah, you can't beat Utah, honestly. Like I love yeah. Utah. Utah's awesome. I love living here. I really do. I've lived in a lot of places. I really like it. But um, cool. yeah, stay in touch and uh, tell us how we can help um, your podcast too. We'll happily send the link out on our networks and share it and promote it and ho- hopefully help you and your listeners out. Okay. Amazing. I appreciate Thank it, Peter. You. So what do you think, CIA or James Bond? I'm going to have to say James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> no. He doesn't have the <laughs> accent though. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, a new age. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good luck on the release of your new book, Peter. We are super proud of you and good luck with all of your endeavors. We're definitely going to keep in touch with him. He seems like a a really good guy to know, you know? No, for sure. He's already been super helpful. I already emailed him with my resume and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, guys, we talked a lot about leadership Uh, in this podcast today. And one thing that I wanted to touch on is how to build your confidence as a pilot in the cockpit. 
and uh, you know to hone in on those leadership skills. Confidence is definitely a necessary step to to have that. So here it is: six ways to build your confidence as a pilot. Have a daily mantra. Look in the mirror every morning and tell yourself you are one sexy mofo. And you're going to take today with an enthusiasm that is unknown to mankind. That's what you tell yourself every morning, isn't it? I do. Yeah. Actually, I do do that. <laughs> that, is, that is the Jose Daily mantra. It works, as you guys probably already can tell. Jose is one confident <laughs> mofo. <laughs> All right. Number two. Take care of your mind and your body, whether that be meditation, reading, going for a hike, or hitting the gym. Having a healthy mind and body is the first step to having the right mindset in the cockpit. Number three, self-confidence is a skill that can be learned. Set and achieve small goals for yourself and your personal life so that you can have the motivation and confidence to set big goals in your aviation life. Number four, practice speaking with authority. When it comes to inserting your PIC power, (laughs) there is nothing that helps more than being confident and assertive in your speech patterns. Number five, if something happens in the air or ground that shakes your confidence as a PIC, learn from the mistake and move on. There's no sense of beating yourself up. Continue to surround yourself with supportive AV nerds that will help you retain your passion and prop you up. Like what you did there. (laughs) When you need motivation to get back on the horse. (laughs) It was another punny joke. Who do you think wrote this? (laughs) See if you can guess. All right. Number six. Be able to understand that criticism from your instructor is not there to tear you down. It's there to help you improve. It is on the instructor to help you gain your confidence by also providing positive feedback. But if you're feeling down in the dumps about a bad flight, remind yourself of all of the positive and good things that you did that day and why you started flying in the first place. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, leave us a nice comment or message on Instagram and uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a shot. Uh, at doing that that'd be that'd be wonderful would really really appreciate it and uh, have a beautiful beautiful day we love you guys bye and happy new year happy new year <laughs> all right deuce